Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, I love a rainy night. Such a beautiful sight. I love to feel the rain on my face. Taste the rain on my lips. In the moonlight shadow. Well, Brad, there's a lot going on in the, uh, in the country weather-wise. So I can think of no uh, other way to lead in than that great lead-in by uh, the late, great Eddie Rabbit. He loved a rainy night. And um, what a great ballad. But first, we want to say thank you to li- for listening to IP Frequently, making it the number one business podcast. Brad, should we just dive right into the big newsreel segment? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. So as you know, I'm, I'm traveling now. I'm up and down the East Coast, uh, headed from cold weather to hopefully, eventually warm weather. Yes. Sort of cold Ted Cruz-like in your approach. Yeah, only without a first-class seat uh, on a... a uh, plane bound for Cancun. Yeah, I, I would go out on a limb and say that the seat you have in the vehicle in which you are a passenger is somewhere between fourth and fifth class is where I would put that. It's it, the whatever the lowest class is. It's the people that uh, were the first to die on the Titanic because the mice got them. That's yeah, where I'm at. That, yeah, that is where you're at. Fortunately, the IP frequently drone is overhead and tracking you. So we'll know where you are. In case of emergency, I'm I'm less confident about I, the IPDA satellites and the uh, constellation of low Earth orbiters there. Now, not that they're not there. I just I'm not confident IPDA is paying attention. It seems to be wandering about, but I am confident of the drone. Well, in any event, so I'm going through Northern Virginia, yeah. and as I'm going through, there's a blizzard, right? Yeah. And we're trying to get through to the to the to the sleets side of the blizzard so that we can just slip around yeah. and. Um, and pray for sunlight so that the driver stays awake. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there was this announcement that uh, the Northern Virginia schools uh, were going to be closed. Mm. And then the announcer said, well, um, point in fact, it doesn't impact the teachers at all because they're still virtually teaching, but it impacts the students that are virtually learning in the school. The teachers are off and mm-hmm. working from home. Some of the students couldn't be at home anymore because their parents had to go to work. And yeah. so they've um, those students have now uh, have now returned to the school, but there are no teachers. So the schools have had to go out and hire um, classroom monitors who are there to monitor the students and help them with their studies. And I so don't. they were off too today. So the teachers who were remote were off. The students who used to be remote but are now 
in the schools, but still doing remote learning because the teachers aren't there are off. And then these new uh, classroom monitors are who are in the classroom with the students teaching them, I guess, or facilitating the learning, they're off. So all three, what, what do you think about this whole thing? I mean, look, I, no one has ever accused me of, you know, being the sharpest knife in the drawer. That's fine. I get that. I, I am happy living in the world where I'm, you know, the average public school educated guy. So the decision has been made that it is safe to open the school and some portion of the students are there, right? I mean, it sounds like not all the students are there. Those that have chosen to remain at home can do so, but some portion of the students are there. So the decision has not only been made that it's safe to open the school building, it's also safe to occupy that building at some level. Now, if you stopped there, an argument could potentially be made that, okay, I get that parents have to work. So this is a, basically you've just opened up a, a facility in which there is Wi-Fi so that the students can sit there and, you know, do their schooling. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that I would argue that that made sense, but you, you could make an argument. But then when you say, but we're not going to have the teachers come in, but you are now occupying the classroom with someone who is standing in the position of the teacher and the decision has obviously been made that that's safe. So how does that make any sense? You're paying the monitor to stand in exactly the position the teacher would stand, which must right. be safe. I mean, those are again, union jobs too, by the way. Union yeah. jobs. Well, and I, and and you're putting someone in the teacher's position already. So why can't you just bring the teacher in to do the teacher's job? When you know, I think you're probably likely to tell me the answers again because the union has said, you know, screw the students, screw the commitment we made to education. You know, we, we see an opportunity to make money for doing next to nothing. So we're going to do it. Is that the. Well, I mean, I think, Brad, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Well, I hope we're not in the middle of it. I hope we're at least towards the end of. Whatever well, I'm, pandemic, I mean, you it? can't expect teachers to come in to the classroom during a pandemic. That, that's why you have classroom monitors. Yeah. Who are uh, apparently COVID proof. They, they, they're fine. They can stand in there and you know, walk through the clouds of roving COVID that apparently people believe exist and, you know, they'll be fine. Well, you know, what's wild. The people uh, that are the people that are at the Publix or the Piggly Wiggly or wherever you get your groceries, right? Fuck them. Right. I mean, they, they don't need, they could go back right away. Right. Um, the well, they never left. The liquor stores. Could, yeah. They never yeah. left. They, they, yeah. All these people, you know, fuck them. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's such a double standard and it just it drives me insane. Um, so I think I think I'm a, I'm in agreement with you on this one. And the good news is there are going to be about a thousand new um, uh, classroom monitors who are going to be making tenure this fall, Brad. Um, yeah. And they'll be eligible for the pensions. Uh, Brad, uh, next, uh, we've had a lot of people write in and they love the newsreel segment. It reminds them of their youth in the 1920s and 30s mm-hmm. when they would sit in a theater and just watch the newsreels before yes. the latest Little Rascals movie came out. But people are demanding that you weigh in on some of the financial aspects of uh, 2021. And so we've had a lot of people who have pointed to Bitcoin and the fact that a Bitcoin is now $50,000 per Bitcoin. Where do you keep your Bitcoin? Well, I mean, I keep my Bitcoin or any right-thinking person keeps their Bitcoin under my pillow. Yeah. But I don't have very many of them. And so it doesn't cause, you know, any sort of uncomfortable lump or bump. So I think all in all, 
uh, the best place for your Bitcoin. Once you've gone out and mined it and gone through all the hard work with your little lit helmet and your pickaxe, uh, you, you bring those rascals in and you put them under your pillow and you'll be fine. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. Everyone should. And Brad does use my pillow. Correct. Well, any pillow I sleep on is technically my pillow. But the my pillow guy who was in the Trump. Oh yeah, that guy. No, I actually I don't I don't have a my pillow, but uh, I'm sure they're wonderful. Actually, the other night I slept on one. Crick in my yeah. neck. Crick in my really? neck. Yeah, yeah, not good, well, not good. Now we're looking for, especially when you're sheltering in place. But neither here nor there. Brad, next the bronze Stevie award-winning uh, segment: Bard or Band? Mm. Bard or Band? Brad, are you okay? Brad? Brad? Yeah, yeah, no, I, okay, I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I had to duck uh, while that sound effect was going by. So, Brad, the question is, should the Green New Deal be barred or banned, or do you embrace it and say, hey, we're going in the right direction here? The Green New Deal is ridiculous, right? I mean, if you look at, you know, I mean, they want to do away with every gas-powered car, you know, gas-powered power plants, aircraft, I mean, all of these things upon which our entire society is dependent, they want to do away with those under ridiculously tight timelines with no real viable replacement. And, not, you know, as we saw with the Keystone XL pipeline, it just does away with jobs, right? And so now you've got folks who are in these industries who are providing reliable power, et cetera, who are just going to suddenly be without a job for political expediency, right? I mean, there's been the Green New Deal won't work and it's all being done for political expediency. What If we're learning nothing else from this last year, it's that things done for political expediency are oftentimes devastatingly bad for the common person. Amen, amen. I mean, couldn't couldn't have been said, or, said better by me or, or anyone uh, for that matter. I think that's terrific. So banned and barred and banned. There you go. Well, I think, I think we're in, we're in, um, once again, agreement on this, uh, next RIP corner, Brad, this week, we've had more luminaries, uh, leave us, um, Vincent Jackson, the NFL wide receiver, Siegfried from Siegfried and Roy died oh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's a terrible track. I mean, he was like 80 something years old, but yeah. till, till his last day, gorgeous had a hair, gorgeous. Yes. And then, of course, on that. the uh, conservative icon Rush Limbaugh passed away. What uh, any comments on uh, any of those three or all of those three? Yeah, so Rush Limbaugh. I mean, we lost Rush Limbaugh, and you know, obviously a very polarizing figure. But credit where credit is due. I, I, I mean, at least to my knowledge, I don't remember having grown up in this great country of ours there being you know real political talk radio like the kind that Rush Limbaugh sort of pioneered and carved out, right? And, and now it's all over the place, right? To, you know, right down to podcasts or whatever else of folks getting on the air and taking a position on topics and defending their position and going back and forth with listeners and et cetera, et cetera. And again, at, at least to my knowledge, if Rush Limbaugh didn't invent that, and he, he probably didn't, he certainly pioneered it and brought it to a new level. So tip of the cap to Rush, I, he'll be missed by many. And of course, not missed by many as well. Well, anyway, we send our condolences. Next is the verse of the day um, brought to you by the uh, Mormon church. Uh, The Mormon church uh, sending souls somewhere since 1983. Um, 
Brad, uh, the uh, verse of the day, this is your uh, bailiwick. What, uh, what do you have for us today? Well, my friend, today uh, we're going back to Proverbs. We, you know, you and I both agree that, uh, you know, that is a, a nearly bottomless mine of good advice for the business person. And so today we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. And I'm always a little bit amused by folks who say that, you know, the Bible is just a, a bunch of rules and the way that you should live and sort of out of date and, you know, doesn't apply to, you know, those in a more modern culture. And yet you find uh, gems like this, again, Proverbs 17, 28, and even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So again, that is not only true, but it is a great business tip to bear in mind. So if that happens to be you, if you are you find yourself in a business meeting, perhaps participating in some respect in a negotiation, and for whatever reason, you feel this almost unmanageable urge to just say something, right? Because the conversation is going on, you're in the room, you're beginning to have this mistaken impression that I think a lot of people have that, you know, I'm, I'm in this room, I haven't said anything yet, I need to say something, people will think I don't belong here. No, 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 no. Your best bet, if you have nothing to say, is to say nothing at all. Again, take some advice. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. And, you know, it reminds me again of, to use your term, some pearls of wisdom that, that my grandfather, my, my dad's dad, the old man's old man, uh, was famous for these, as is my dad, quite frankly, for these laconic statements that he would just zip at you and you would be talking about something in his presence and he would just look at you and you'd realize, okay, he's looking at me. I've obviously screwed something up. And then when you would shut up, he would just look at you and say, there's a reason you have two ears and one mouth. And then Amen. You, know, you, you sort of understood that maybe you should be listening twice as much. And then he hit you. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, that's a, I mean, that really has nothing to do with it. All right, Brad. So we'll move on from a great job again on the verse of the day. I'm, I'm sure the Mormons will be proud of that. Um, this week in innovation, Brad, this is where you and I talk about what happened uh, this time of year in the past. And so what three big innovations happened? Uh, 1930, the planet Pluto was discovered. And then it was, we were told that it's not a planet. Um, 1954, Brad, you'll be happy to hear this. The Church of Scientology was formed. Very good. 1959, hmm. Fidel Castro rose to power in Cuba. That didn't work out so well for the uh, Cubans. Well, if you think about it, for all three, right? Pluto yeah. discovered, Scientology formed, Castro became prime minister. If you think about it, probably the most effective one of the three was Pluto, and it's not even a planet anymore. No, in fact, I was in an airport. This has been a while, probably a couple of years now. And there was a guy wearing a T-shirt that just had like the outline of a, of a planet, you know, and a little, you know, speaking balloon coming out of it that said, hey, NASA, your mom thought I was big enough. Now, that's funny. That is funny. I mean, if you're yeah. going to tell a planet joke, that's funny. Anyway, but that's it. So what, is, what an exciting week in innovation. Indeed. I mean, we've, we had planets, dictators and, uh, you know, sort of religions based on. Tom Cruise. Science fiction books. 
Uh, next, Brad, is Relationship Corner. So this week, our uh, question comes in. Dear Brad, I hope all is well. My good friends, let's call them Hill and Billery, uh, may be up to no good. I'm not sure. I'm very confused. I found tons of irregular billing records and payoffs. Uh, this really concerns me. Um, do you think I should uh, do anything about it? Or should I just trust my friendship? Anyway, maybe it's that not that important. They've asked me to meet them later tonight after midnight in a local park. Hopefully this will clear everything up. I can't wait to see them. Vince, Brad? Well, Vince, I mean, that you, you, you do find yourself in a bit of a conundrum there, right? Because I think all of us would say that friendship is important, right? Life is not a, a, uh, something to be taken on, on by oneself. It is a team sport. Uh, as I believe someone at one point said, it takes a village. But I would ask you this, Vince, do you typically meet with your friends, let's call them Hill and Billery. Do you typically meet with them in parks late at night? And if the answer to that question is no, then I think it may be in your best interest, especially in view of some of the potentially, I don't wanna overstate the case, but potentially incriminating type of evidence that you may have come upon uh, that maybe it would be in your best interest to say, hey, I've got to walk the dog. And then following that, I've got to you know, wash my hair. And so I won't be able to come out in the cold, chill air with a wet head uh, to meet you in the park. But I'd be happy to have a cup of coffee in a very public place, preferably one with video cameras uh, anytime that you would like, uh, because I do value our friendship. P.S. I am putting all of this evidence in a safe deposit box in a bank and sending a letter to my lawyer advising him that he should release all of these documents in the event of my untimely death. No, that's great advice, Brad. Unfortunately, I, this letter is dated three days ago, but I'm sure he's fine. Uh, anyway, great advice. Um, Vince, I hope you are around to heed it. And next we go, Brad, to the award-winning segment, Time Machine. The, the effects are going off. This is like a Siegfried and Roy show, my friend. Almost. Brad, we are going to send you back this week to February 1962. February of 1962. Okay. So what happened that would warrant your participation in February of 1962. Boy, I, uh, I'm going to have to tell you got me on the spot there. I think you I are. Do. I'm going to have to tell you. Well, John Glenn became the first U.S. citizen to orbit the Earth. And uh, you're going to go back in time to encounter John Glenn mm. right before that encounter. And everyone who knows of John Glenn, right? And John Glenn, obviously, uh, a, an astronaut, senator from Ohio, um, ran for president in 1984 after a big movie came out about his, uh, his accolades as, a, as an early um, participant in the space program, um, was dry as dirt, right? I mean, he was a guy who couldn't get out of his own way uh, at all in terms of how boring he was. So we're going to send <laughs> you back in time. Al Fresco, oiled up, right? Four Zimas, and you have to convince John Glenn not only to orbit the earth, but to do it with a little, you know, flair, 
woo, so to speak. Um, So how do you, how do you do that? Well, I mean, first of all, it's obviously, it's an honor to go back in time and, and, you know, be there with astronaut Glenn as he anticipates orbiting the earth. I mean, you know, all of these guys are Mercury seven astronauts, you know, clearly had not to be overly trite the right stuff. I think what you do is you, you, you share a celebratory Zima uh, with John Glenn, but you strongly encourage him to take the bottle with him, right? Because as Alan Shepard learned, if, you know, things start to go a little bit south and there's mechanical issues uh, with the space flight, you could find yourself trapped in a very small mercury capsule with no, uh, you know, facilities, if you know what I mean. It was, it was adequate to fly through space, uh, but inadequate if one had to, you know, relieve oneself. But, but if you've brought the empty Zima bottle with you, boom, problem solved. Well, that I'll tell you what, once again, Brad, you've navigated the space-time continuum, and uh, our listeners are thankful for it. All right, well, I guess, Brad, we'll call it another uh, episode in the book. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We almost forgot. Presidential poll position, which people now are betting on, Brad, in, uh, in Las Vegas, in the Bahamas, and in Curacao. So this week's matchup, and again, presidential poll position brought to you by the New York State uh, Athletic Commission uh, since 1932, monitoring all horse races on uh, New York's Long Island. Um, so we're excited to have them as a sponsor, along with Zima and uh, IPedia and Mutual of Omaha. Uh, this week, we have two of the greats, Brad, two of the greats, um, uh, Ole Blinken and uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Mm. Uh, we've got Abe Lincoln on his horse, Old Bob, versus Teddy Roosevelt's Algonquin. So Algonquin was actually a calico pony um, that uh, the Roosevelt's had as a pet when they were in the White House. Teddy Roosevelt was, you know, I mean, that, that, he was a man's man. You put a guy like that on top of a pony, you're asking a hell of a lot out of the pony, aren't you? I think it's Abe and Bob across that finish line and uh, in time to get off for Abe to get off the horse and be in a position to heartily shake the hand of his competitor in the sort of humble and gentlemanly way that Abe would have done it. We got another rung to go of the bracket next week um, where we will have Thomas Jefferson's horse against JFK's Shetland pony. And again, let's, we, we haven't, we're not going to analyze it. We're not going to, we're not predisposed, but we do want the strongest possible presidential horse races. So we'll leave it at that, Brad. But I mean, I think at this point where you and I are both um, looking at this, there's a strong favorite, but there is a dark horse. I'm not sure you can say that. No, we can. We signed that release. Oh, okay. Good. All right. Well, yeah, there you have it. Presidential poll position, wrapping up another solid episode of IP Frequently. And we look forward to catching up with all of you next week here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.